0: Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Real Talk. It's Lucas here, and I hope that today's episode informs and inspires you to have your own real conversations. As always, today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at TriVan, maker of trucks, trailers, and enclosure buildings tailored to your needs. Be sure to check them out at TriVan.com. A huge thanks to them for sponsoring the show and making it possible. One other quick note before we get into today's episode is that if you are willing and able, if you could leave a review, preferably a five-star one, On any of the podcast networks or platforms that allow for it, such as Spotify or Apple Podcasts, that will be much appreciated as it helps get the word out there and lets people know what we're all about. So, with that in mind, on to the episode.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Real Talk Podcast. Uh, today, I have the privilege of talking to Paul Vanderclay, Reverend Paul Vanderclay, um, the CRC pastor from um, out of, uh, what's it, Living Stones in, uh, in California? Yeah. Um, probably most known for his YouTube channel, uh, up here in Canada, at least. Um, and uh, yeah, I just get a, have a privilege to chat with uh, Paul about some of the conservative characters that we see in the world today and, and some of the influences that they've had in our thinking and stuff like that in the church. Um, And Paul's obviously covered a lot of these people on his, on his channel. So um, yeah, it should be an exciting conversation. So uh, welcome, Paul. Um, Appreciate, appreciate you coming on and, and chatting. Um, You look very much like you do on YouTube. So I'm sitting uh, exactly where I sit when I make YouTube videos (laughs) So you're very, you're very comfortable behind the mic too. So that's, uh, that's, that's refreshing for a podcast host too. (laughs) (laughs) I've, I've gotten used to it. I've gotten used to it. Yes. How do you, how did you get into, uh, the podcast or the, uh, the YouTube world? And, and why did you start that, um, as part of your ministry?
2: Well, the, the podcasting was secondary. I, I was playing around on YouTube first. I So I had blogged for a number of years, blogged about blogged similar to what I'd done on on the channel. I'd been reading Rod Dreher and I was kind of impressed with how he was using blogging in terms of he'd always have read the whole thing. And he'd always sort of point me to interesting things. And then I'd go find other things. So I'd blogged for years, uh, blogged sermon drafts and things like that. And and then people would sometimes say, oh, you should write a book. You should write a book. And it's. uh, and I have some some colleagues who are writing books sometimes, which is usually their sermon series. And I thought, if I wrote a book, my mother would buy it. Would she read it? Eh, probably. Uh, people in the church would buy a few copies. Would they read it? Eh, maybe. But people don't, you know, a little before we started recording, there's a lot of print material out there that my sense was a lot of people just don't read. They yeah. watch television. They watch Netflix. They watch this. They watch that. So I was already sort of keyed into the fact that video is probably more of a mass medium than print. So I, I had toyed around with it a little bit. I had done, there was a CRC Synod. I think it was 2016 or 17 I, or 2016. I'd done sort of a post game show, the CRC Synod that year. And then a member of my church wanted to wanted me to go down to public access TV with him. And I wasn't about to do that. So we started the Freddie and Paul show. So we, so we had done that for a while on YouTube. And then I saw the stuff going on around Jordan Peterson. And I thought, you know, I wanted to find some people to talk about, to kind of process that over. And most of the CRC clergy and people in my circles didn't have a lot of interest in it. Uh, usually they were older people than me. They weren't about to watch videos. And so then I was also rereading Neil Postman's Amusing Ourselves to Death. And I thought, there's also something about the medium here. So I thought, I'll make a YouTube video. I mean, what what could go wrong? And I thought, you know, maybe, you know, the three or four people were watching the Freddie and Paul show. I thought maybe a dozen or so would watch my thinking about what Jordan Peterson was doing, and, and I'd have a few new friends. That's pretty much what I thought would happen. Yep. And I didn't understand then I, the next morning after I'd published this video, I opened my email at that point. Every time I got a new subscriber, Google would send me an email oh, yeah. and I woke up and my inbox was just flooded. I'd like, what is going on? And, <laughs> and that what then I, I told my wife and my son who were home and my son picks up his smartphone and looks at the channel. He's just watching subscriber after subscriber. And he's like, so I thought, and then I started getting emails from real people who had watched the, who had watched the video and wanted to talk. And that that's what really hooked me because, you know, making a YouTube video, that's just sort of something a pastor of a dying church does in his spare time because he wants to, do fruitful things. But then suddenly when real life people want to talk about, and most of them were atheists, they wanted to talk about what on earth was going on. Well, How can I say no to this? So that's sort of what kept the channel going and sort of propelled it. So the YouTube algorithm would put it in front. Most people, even people that eventually subscribed, most people saw, well, here's some guy with a crazy beard wanting to talk about Jordan Peterson. He's a minister. I don't want to watch that. (laughs) But some people did. And that then gained momentum. We started doing uh, meetups here at church, people who wanted to talk about it. And it just kept growing. And, and then I continued. So then I started having some of these conversations online and that got more people interested in it. And, and then I just kept making videos in terms of things that I thought were interesting or important that I wanted to think out loud about. And people would think out loud along with me in the comment section. And then we started a discord server and it's just continued to go since then. Wow. So that's how this thing got going. How many years ago was that? You said, Eight, that was six years. 16, it was 17? wow. Uh, the The video that sort of launched it was November of 2017.
1: Okay, wow. That's yeah. So yeah, once once you get down a road doing anything for that long, you get uh, you get quite a following. But yeah, you've got like the engagement on your videos is is quite substantial. So it's uh, and yeah, it's not like you're putting out one every other week either. Like we do with a <laughs> podcast. I think you're putting out like several a day sometimes. So yeah,
2: yeah. Um, sometimes is that part I, of your I, ministry then? Like. It has become a part of my ministry, surely. Uh, and the church began to recognize that too. Visitors started coming in and, you know, we're kind of a small dying church and a visitor comes in and everyone's and then they, ah, well, who are you? How, why'd you call? I saw Paul on YouTube and they, they you hear that a hundred times. And it's kind of like, Oh, and then people started donating money to the church because I was doing this on YouTube, and then they really pay attention. And <laughs> wow. So it's that's that's gone on, that's gone on quite a bit. So the church has really embraced it as this is a p- important part of their ministry as well. And so we just take it one day at a time.
1: Man, that's crazy. So, what are your uh, do you have do you have goals with it or no, uh, not really? Just, just kind of do what interests you, and
2: yeah. For the most part, I don't really have a plan. the The thing that I, I I do care about people, and the thing that I see is that people live isolated lives, and a lot of people who watch too much YouTube could really stand to have a few friends. And so, what what's most gratifying for me is watching people. So we took these meetups, we we're helping start meetups in different places. And then when Jordan Peterson was sick and sort of disappeared, we pivoted that and started what I call estuary, which is um, just spaces for people to have meaningful, important conversations in their lives. And and that's 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 quite important to me because I think the church needs it. And I think people need it. And I think actually if churches do this more, they will have more and better contact with their community than churches just sort of running all the usual church programs. Right. Yeah. So is that kind of the goal is to
1: drive kind of interaction to groups like smaller groups, discussion groups, getting people together. Um, Cause you must have, oh. obviously, obviously you have a reach that's beyond like, you don't even know where everyone's living. Yeah. Um, and then like, goal goal would be
2: too strong. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I do these, I call them monologue videos or commentary videos because I find something that's interesting and I want to process it. So that's those videos, the conversation videos with people. It's because people are interesting and you meet really interesting people out there. So that's fun. And I mean, that's most of the channel. Those two things and then my rough drafts for Sunday, there, I got to preach a sermon anyway. So when this thing started, I, even when I was blogging, I always tried to figure out how I could always kill two birds with one stone. So getting ready for the sermon, well, I can blog and I get a blog post out of it and I get a sermon out of it. And so then when the video started, it's like, I should probably kind of run through the state of my sermon right now. And then after you make it, you get some new ideas and you can continue. I usually make those on Friday, churn throughout the weekend, and then you have the Sunday sermon. So. And right. then estuary. So a lot of it's just sort of grown. Uh, and this frustrates a lot of people. A lot of people are like, well, where is this going? And I say, I don't know. And then they're upset with me because no, hmm. you're supposed to, I, 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 you know, if you, if you don't like it, just watch something else. <laughs> I mean, I don't do it for a living, Um And so I, I, have never told people, you know, besides my general goals as a Christian minister, which is making disciples of Jesus and loving, you know, loving God and loving your neighbor. Those are my goals. I I don't feel like I'd need any other ones.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. It's hard to, uh, it's hard to know what opportunities you're going to get. Right. And yeah, if you don't know, you go into something like this without any, Yeah without any inclination that it can become something where thousands of people are watching you. So, but yeah, I'll tell you, like for going through your channel, I've been, I was trying even just for this, I was just trying to find some of the more, the, the more unique things you've done. I mean, you've, you've done debate style stuff with people, um, like conference style, um, kind of round table discussions. I mean, you've talked to some pretty, pretty cool people. You've talked to Peterson, which I, I actually had a hard time finding on your channel somehow. I feel like that would be like the first thing that you got on your, like if I talked to Peterson, I'd be like, I talked to Peterson. Uh, (laughs) But, uh, but even the, uh, your, your random, your rando sessions where you talk to random people, I find them like, whenever I clicked one, i found it like most of them are such good conversations. I can't turn them off. So it's, yeah. uh, Yeah. I mean, they're some of my favorite parts of the channel. Oh, they're so fun. I mean, like, yeah, and I, and I never intended to listen to them because I'm like, oh, okay, I need to find something, some kind of good nugget here. But they're so they're so interesting that, um, yeah, and I guess part of that's just that we're looking for people to have conversations with and and yeah. ideas to think about. So, um, yeah. partly why we do this podcast too. But it's uh, yeah, I mean, I would encourage anyone to go go listen to your pod or like look at your channel. Do you mostly focus on YouTube or still? Or you, I know you're on Twitter too or X. Well, yeah,
2: well, I there is an audio version of the podcast. So when I started it, because it's predominantly audio. I mean, right. I don't do a lot in terms of the visuals. So then a lot of people are like, oh, do you have an audio version? So there's a pod that you can find on Apple podcasts. And I mean, so there's an audio only version. And some of the real hardcore people. So that that's about the hardcore people, that's about a thousand 1, fifteen hundred people that listen to the podcast regularly. But right. the um the YouTube goes up and down much more. YouTube is really a discovery engine. If you're just doing a podcast, it's hard to get discovered. But yeah, YouTube, right. YouTube sort of has a ready-made audience and an algorithm kind of matches people up and off you go. So I again I just do it I I do it because I like doing it and because I I've always been interested in things and and so often if I'm interested in something, who's going to who am I going to talk to? I'm a pastor. Nobody in my church wants to talk about this stuff. So yeah. what am I going to do? So this way, you know, it's how the internet works. You find other people that, that are interested in what I'm interested in. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. So so why was it uh why was
1: it Peterson that first kicked this off? Like why was he a character that was like enough of a a boot for you to go start talking about the stuff? Cuz there's obviously other you know, there's all there's tons of pol- political things going on and yeah. other
2: characters in the states. I've I've always I've considered I consider myself a religious believer and a political skeptic yeah, because I don't really have a lot of faith that politics is going to do much to save the world. Um, it hasn't. But I <laughs> but I, I saw. So I think I was reading Rear's blog and he had a thing mentioning Jordan Peterson and okay everybody was upset about the pronoun thing I didn't find that terribly interesting and then he started doing a biblical lecture mm. and what was interesting is that I have friends who were excellent preachers in Toronto who I knew their churches were half full or dying and here's this guy up on stage charging 30, 40 bucks a head, hundreds of people in this theater, hundreds of thousands watching on YouTube to listen to, you know, sometimes you go a little long in the sermon and they're looking at their watch. This guy's going for two hours and then question and answer. And it's like, what's going on with this? And then I started reading Reddit and YouTube comments, and people are saying things like, Yeah, I, you know, I was a real big fan of Sam Harris, and now I kind of want to learn more about the Bible. And I had seen many, many people leave Christianity and go down the road of new atheism, go down the road of sort of quasi new age-ish stuff, and very seldom come back. Right, And behind Jordan Peterson was a list of people coming back down those same roads. And I said, this is important. So then I thought, well, he's probably some evangelical that's just sort of been in University of Toronto for a few years. So I, I listened to the thing. It's like he's not an evangelical at all, and yeah. I had, I didn't know anything about Jung. I didn't know anything about anything, and I listened to this, and it's like this is totally different, and this is it's fairly counter narrative in terms of sort of the 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 narrative that's going in the culture and. Yeah. Why is at that point he had about 300,000 subscribers on YouTube? And I thought, what's going on here? And and like I said, I thought, shoot, this is, I I would think every pastor in the US and Canada would be honed in on this guy saying, what's going on? I mean, these other movements have been eating our lunch and now it's coming back through this guy. What is he doing? I want to know what he's doing. So then I try to talk to people and People are like, eh, I guess I heard of them, but I'm busy. I'm a pastor and I don't, you know, I'm, I'm just, they're just, you know, they're, they're keeping their nose to the grindstone. And I thought I, I would think there'd be a thousand ministers that would be looking at this saying, oh, let's study this. Nobody was so that I had to go out and find new people to talk about it with. And then all this happened. Yeah, right. Yeah, I
1: know it is. Yeah, it was a crazy, crazy phenomenon. So obviously that happened in Toronto. And I think he's pretty popular in Canada. Um, in terms of an intellectual, light, I don't know if there's anyone more, po- well, I don't know if there's anyone more popular, but definitely more influential up here. Um, we it probably gets mentioned on our podcast more than anyone else. So, um, it's yeah, it, there, there's something to it. And in, in what do you, well, what do you make of his work after that? So he had his initial stage. He did his Genesis, uh, lectures. He really kind of hit the. It, you know kind of hit the world with with a bit of a surprise like people weren't expecting him to be you know pro i guess it, it, it's hard to say pro christianity but pro the biblical stories that's what he would say yeah. um yeah. yeah like he kind of took the world by surprise then he wrote his books um 12, 12 rules for life and 12 more rules for life and um just as general you know self help books almost i guess um What do you make of where he's been in like and how he's kind of come to prominence and and is he the same guy now as he was back
3: then? Yes and no. So
2: he's. He's been remarkably consistent, if you listen very carefully to him in terms of what his interests are.
3: He. So I
2: I basically see three waves in his rise. The first wave was from Bill C-16 to uh, when he sort of retreated from the stage because of his illness. Right. The second wave was when he came back from his illness until Daily Wire. And the third wave has basically been with Daily Wire. So the first wave, he was, I think, still predominantly set as a university professor and as a clinical psychologist, he, his emphasis was on the individual on saving the individual and all he had that theme going through, he, he came back that second wave. He was sort of, I think, then looking more at questions of civilizational Christianity. And then that sort of, that really came out in his work with the arc conference that happened in London, not very long ago. So that's sort of been a switch. And he just released a video with John Verveke where they're back talking about sort of the psychological validation of historical religion. Let's call it that. And for John, for for Jordan, particularly Christianity, John Verveke is really trying to bridge the gap between East and West. That's really sort of where John Verveki has been at lately. So, right. and so I, I don't know. I, I got into this also partly because once I started talking to people, I realized Jordan Peterson was, he was on this status rocket ride. I mean, he was just thing. I mean, once January of 2018 hit and 12 rules for life came out and he was doing the book tours, the Kathy Newman interview, the Helen Lewis interview. I mean, it was just, it it was, it was going crazy, but I, I knew that I began to, I began to realize that for a lot of men, particularly young men, nihilism was a huge problem. And, and that The the dirty little secret of new atheism is that it left a lot of nihilism in its wake and nihilism tends to produce depression. And so what was happening was that people were sort of assuming this mechanistic worldview and got sort of trapped in all of the typical pitfalls. Let's say a, a young man might find himself in the contemporary world and Jordan Peterson sort of snapped them out of it. And so people who had been depressed, they were having all kinds of problems. They listened to about 50 hours of Jordan Peterson because they couldn't stop and they weren't depressed anymore. And then they started getting jobs and they started marrying their girlfriends and they started moving out of their mother's basements. And they, you know, they, they were, they were off in life and, um, and they were doing that in a way that the church hadn't been doing it. And that was important to me too, because- a big part of my motivation to listen very carefully to jordan peterson was i want to learn how he's doing what he's doing because if i can learn how he's doing what he's doing ah, maybe i can do some of it too right but i i i still am probably more in his mission from wave 1 which is you know i i i also knew that once people stopped listening to jordan peterson once he sort of became map territory they need a place to go and they need a community to be with. And so I wanted people to go to church. But then I also began by talking to people, realizing just how hard that was for a lot of people, that churches churches were having completely different conversations. Churches were focusing on very different things that were not intelligible to a lot of these people. Right. And and not all churches were terribly excited to have these people. Right. Like if they tended to be mainline more progressive churches, someone, especially after Jordan Peterson sort of gets painted as a, you know, an alt-right guy, then you come into let's say a, a United Church of Canada church, you say, I like Jordan Peterson. They're gonna say, you know, get behind me, Satan. Um <laughs> and and so, or you know, so so that so I knew church was gonna be a real big problem with a lot of these people. Right, yeah. And so then we'll what what are you going to do? Leave them abandoned? I mean, come on. So I, you know, the Orthodox Church has, defi- has definitely picked up a bunch. The Catholics have picked up a bunch. But Protestant churches, some Reformed churches have sort of so- shown some interest. But, you know, the church has, has got to do better. Yeah, uh, it's...
1: Yeah, the inclination of a church is more more likely skeptical to the entire spectrum of everything in the world. So, yep. It's uh yeah, it there's probably something to learn there. Yeah, I've heard so one thing that comes to mind in the past I, on your on your show, I've I've heard you explain Peterson as oh, I had it written down here. Let me see if I can find it. Um well, in Mark in Mark 9, um Jesus is talking to his disciples well John's John says to him uh teacher we saw you cast uh we saw someone cast out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he was not following us but Jesus said do not stop him for no one who does a mighty work in in my name will able will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me um and then probably well-known verse for no one who is is I'm oh, sorry the one who is not against us is for us, yeah. and so I thought that was interesting that so you, you this is is it how you view Peterson as somebody yeah. who's like so he's not quite um he's not quite a disciple, but he's definitely not somebody who's um like his impact is clearly positive positive. Yeah. and so um, yeah in the church I think there's like there's always a you want you wanna, wanna kind of find what's wrong. And then, you know, see if there's a way to solve what's wrong with Peterson or wrong with anybody, any thinker, um, instead of taking them for what they're worth. Um, And then kind of like what you're describing is like. The people who are influenced by them kind of taking them by the hand afterward and having understood Peterson, say, uh, taking those people and saying, hey, this is actually where he's wrong, but welcome to our church. Um, So what. Yeah, what what have you made of, like, I'm I'm, I'm kind of curious as how you came up with that um, as, like, that um, kind of portrayal
2: of him. Um, well, I, well, nihilism is sort of like demonic possession for these guys that had them bound, and Peterson freed them of it with YouTube videos. I mean, that's just a crazy thing. And, and then his stance with respect to the church, it's changed quite a bit. So yeah. I could go back to some of the early videos. You know, he he had this, he had this video about lying pastors. Well, why don't you like to go to church? Well, because I don't really know. I don't really know that the preachers believe what they're saying. Wow. That's, that's yeah. pretty, that's pretty dramatic. And now I think he's spending more top time with politicians. <laughs> Which I think they they lie more even than preachers in terms of his definition of lying. So oh, no, yeah. I, I people kept trying to categorize him. And the more I thought about it, I thought, no, he's he's the unauthorized exorcist of the gospel of Mark. That's that's how he is. And he's he's liberating people, but he he's getting closer. Now his wife is in the process of becoming Roman Catholic, his daughter goes to evangelical churches. I think he's going to continue to sort of stand off for a variety of reasons. I think ostensibly he'll say things like, well, and he's right. If he would, if he would pick a church, um, then suddenly things would get weird. And I totally understand that, but he's, I think increasingly of a mind that, uh, churches are important. Yeah. And he Uh, said that
1: Has do you think he's, um, do you think he believes that they're important enough to put aside the, yeah, because get like if he if he were to do that or go to church or even like, even the way he talks about belief in God, like if he were to actually take a, a you know, maybe even say what he believes. Um, he well, he, he does make- say what he believes.
2: He He's always saying what he believes. And to the video I just did this morning, which is on four minutes of conversation with Vareke, he took me an hour and a half to sort of unpack. He well, says very clearly what he believes. He just doesn't adopt the Christian formulas and identify with them. Right. What do you mean by that? I mean, you know, i pastor of a confessional church. You stand up, you say the Apostles' Creed. He doesn't do right, that. Yeah, yeah so he, he would say like belief is, Well, he questions
1: it like, was belief what you say or what you act? Well, and not. it, you know, as, as a reformed Christian, you're like, yeah, good, good point. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, the, the thing is like, yeah, we would, we would stand up and we would say the apostles creed, um, you know, I believe in God, but we don't have a problem saying that we do recognize we fall short and he would acknowledge the same thing. Yeah. Um, why wouldn't he, why doesn't he view belief like that? Like, why wouldn't he say, well, I do believe, but I fall short. Like. Why does he make that distinction? He's
2: he's said similar things like that before. Part of it is just temperament for, for, you know, it's temperament for how he is. He. He is. He doesn't like being boxed in. He likes. He doesn't is like that being because boxed of in. his because of his status. Like, no, he it, was always he's always been that way for the best I that I it, can yeah. tell.
1: It's he just how him. he is. He kind of has been from the beginning, but yeah. I, yeah. Part of me can't help but think like he knows the, that his impact will be lessened. If he were to say it. recently on Pierce Morgan, he got awfully close to saying like, yeah, I believe in God. Yeah. Um, I, I, and I think he's getting closer and closer, but I think he
2: also might just be getting pushed more and more. Um, I, I, I think, you know, I often tell people becoming a Christian is not like buying a reasonable used car. You don't just sit down and, you know, do the pros and cons. It's much more like falling in love. I mean, if you picked your wife because you sat down and said, well, you know, these are some good things or these are some bad things. I think she's a reasonable choice. Most women would say, <laughs> I don't want to be your reasonable choice. Maybe that's I want to be the love marriages. of your life. <laughs> yeah,
3: right.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, that's fair. Right. So I think. Yeah. um. Whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen, and uh i'm I'm comfortable to leave it in God's hands, oh yeah, yeah, um
1: yeah, it's just a very interesting um perspective to think from a from the church side about how like those are what that's one of the hang ups people have. It's like, well, why won't he just say this? um <laughs> I'm trying to think of that from a outsider perspective though like it I don't know that that really matters. Per se, like they still get a lot of the, um, I do say value, but they get they get a lot of good instruction from him, right? Being yeah. the unauthorized exorcist.
2: Yeah, I again, I don't know that it's, I don't know that he what he offers is necessarily so much instruction. Um, he, he I think he tends to inspire more than instruct. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a there's a real devotion when when you go to one of his live events, uh, which you know these are there's there's a real devotion to him, and so I, yeah, I he think he could definitely start a cult. Yeah, you know, you 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 just have to ask to what degree uh, does he have a cult already? But he's not <laughs> sleeping point. with groupies or anything like that. So I I I'd, I'd pass on the c <laughs> word for now, but. Uh, <laughs> But there's a there's a there's a clear devotion to him personally in the world. And it's it's very dramatic and it hasn't. I remember I was talking to I was talking to a Canadian academic early on who had done some, I thought, really good analysis of his work. And he basically thought, yeah, a year or two, this is going to pass because every every five or 10 years, there was a Jungian who would sort of rise And, you know, rise in popular, um, you know, get get popular. And sometimes Jungian Christians would sort of get popular and then they would just sort of trail off. And he thought, yeah, this is what will happen to Jordan. And I thought, I don't know. And it hasn't. Yeah. Yeah. I think
1: he even acknowledged that early on, too. He was like, well. I kind of thought this was my 5 minutes in the sun and but it hasn't yeah. gone away and there's obviously yeah. something deeper there. Yeah, whenever he yeah. gets cha- got challenged by a journalist he's like, "Well, clearly I'm saying something useful cuz like I'm still around." So, hello. Yeah. Um which is a yeah, it's just a fair point. Um Yeah, I'm kind of curious I'm kind of curious about when he gets to Daily Wire. Um Yeah, what do you, what do you make of what he's become now? Um I find like he's I mean, just taking a character like this and forcing him to put content out all the time. It seems like he's turned into a bit of a different animal.
2: Yeah. I I don't, I think what daily wire offered him was a platform that he himself didn't have to manage. Yeah. And before then he was managing his platform, you know, his daughter sort of runs his business And and, you know, they had some videographers and editors and they had some people who were sort of doing that stuff, but he had to sort of run it. I think Daily Wire sort of allowed him to to say, okay, all of this stuff is going to be over here. If YouTube cancels me, if Twitter cancels me, at least I still have something with Daily Wire. And I think I think he wanted that and liked that. And I'm sure he got a lot of money for it. Maybe not as much as if he had stayed independent. I don't know. It would all depend on whether or not YouTube was going to cancel him or not. Right. But I think it did. I
3: think it did sort of. It
2: did sort of reinforce what the political left had tried to buttonhole him and characterize him. Oh, he's he's just another conservative pundit along with. Um, you know, Ben Shapiro, yada, yada, yada. And yeah. so I think in that way, I, I don't, that Daily Wire didn't help him remain broadly accessible to sort of the left and the right, which is how it was in 2018 and 2017. Yeah. He had a far broader audience listening to him then than he does now. His audience yeah. is narrower That's- now, more focused. Daily wire, we should say something about daily wire because I've now, I had now have some relationships, not with anybody that people see on YouTube on daily wire, but with some other people that are sort of behind the scenes, it's an interesting outfit and it's, it's a, it's stranger than it's stranger than people would assume it is on Mm. a number of fronts There, you know, yeah. Part of what's difficult for a lot of people who are just sort of locked into the mainstream narrative, you know, there are a lot of conservative gay men around. and, And people don't... It's like the conservative black intellectual. People don't know what to do with these people because a conservative black intellectual, conservative gay man, conservative married gay man, yeah, they're out there. And so, you know, and... You know, some of them work at Daily Wire, and when you when you look at sort of the thumbnail of who Daily Wire is supposed to be, then you learn you get a little bit higher resolution. It's like, uh, you know, like a guy like Dave Rubin, who's you know just sort yeah. of a political pundit, conservative political pundit out there, who's a married gay man. It's like, oh, what's with that? That's yeah. part of what identity culture does, though. Because if you're a conservative black intellectual or a conservative gay man, you're you've got a ready-made audience because you're not supposed to exist. So yeah. your your platform's just gonna rise. That's why I tell people, I mean, I don't know what's gonna happen with Trump, but if if Trump somehow doesn't get the Republican nomination, you know, someone like Nikki Haley, the, the first woman president of the United States will probably be a Republican for those same dynamics. And, and it's just going to gall a whole bunch of people, but, you know, look at Margaret Thatcher. (laughs) It's, it's, it's the way identity politics works. If you reinforce it, you're going to see its inverse rise.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you saw that with like, I'm uh, even thinking like Douglas Murray's very, very popular. I mean, yeah, he's, he's a gay man. Like you're already gonna, you're going to garner some kind of listenership just from being that 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 character i think even like um i don't know where he's at now but like uh, a guy like milo milo yiannopoulos, milo yiannopoulos who's like probably the most infamous slash famous like yeah character like that who's now possibly a christian but conservative not. catholic yeah very interesting so renouncing like, renouncing gay sex right yeah and like but he would admit in his heyday back back in the day i don't know if he's still in his heyday or not um, that he has a voice basically just for being so outrageous exactly and that was like <laughs> to your point which is very interesting and because he was on the conservative end of things yeah people uh, do people like latch on to something like that because um, yeah well, just because it, there's not like, someone it's like, they want but someone who that they can use like
2: it's I mean, like they, yelling you're a Nazi at Ben Shapiro with his yarmulke on it's yeah, right. like he's a Nazi? No, it's like saying, okay, yeah, Doug Doug Murray is a homophobe. It's like, they can't really, you know, and and it's that dissonance that captures people as people's attention. So, is that, like, do, do you find that
1: Christians attach to these people a little bit or, or try to at least, like, at least have a hope that they do good in the world because of, I mean, I find myself watching like what Milan y- Ianopoulos was doing and and saying like at least somebody's going to do it, and this is a guy that they could hardly cancel. I mean, they f- figured out a way, but it's it's something that's like if you can have a positive impact, I almost don't care who you
2: are, um, for better or worse, I guess. I I think the best way to think about it is. I did did some some videos on this a while ago. There's a guy named uh, Chris Green. He's a pastor in a charismatic Episcopal church in Texas. So you think about all those things together. And when it comes to when it comes to figuring this out, it's sort of like the good bad man in in Westerns. So the side of kind of the classic treatment of this was the man who killed Liberty Valance, a 1950s classical Western that had Jimmy Stewart and John Wayne. Jimmy Stewart rides into town. Um, he's got a law degree. He's straight as an arrow. He's very he's got a lot of um, he's got a lot of character. He's very principled. And then there's the John Wayne character who is practical, pragmatic. And then there's a guy named Liberty Valence who is just tearing up the town because he's a bad man. Jimmy Stewart can't handle the bad man. John Wayne's going to kill him. Right. And I think I think that's actually the best way to understand Donald Trump and evangelicals because they they look at the system and they say this system isn't right. All of our attempts to sort of vote up principled good men have failed. We need a bad man who's going to destroy our enemies. Now, I think Christians have to really pause and think about that narrative because Mm -hmm. that narrative isn't terribly different from, let's say, the narrative of Barabbas. So you have the Jews and they're under the oppression of the Romans and the Pharisees are doing their culture war thing. You know, they're not eating, you know, they're, they're not eating unclean things. They're marking the Sabbath. They're doing all of these ways to try to differentiate themselves from Hellenism. And every now and then a Jewish strong man arises and promises, if you follow me, I'll take out the Romans. And then, then we'll let you Pharisees be in charge. And Jesus doesn't do that. Mm. I mean, Jesus goes to the cross. I mean, and, and it was, it failed revolutionaries got crucified. Right. And this is, you know, when I talk to some of my Jewish friends, this is part of the big problem with Jesus is they say, Messiahs are like David overthrowing the Philistines or Judas, you know, Maccabees overthrowing the Greeks. Messiahs are like Simon bar Kokhba who tried to overthrow the Romans or like Barabbas. And the crowd wants Barabbas. And Jesus says, I'm going to play a very different game. I'm going to conquer Rome. But my conquest of Rome is not going to be anything like you think it is. And and so Mm. Christians sort of fall into that narrative sometimes because they think it's expedient. But over the long run, you're sort of giving in to the devil's game because you say, what finally matters is the sword and Hmm. Jesus says he who lives by the sword dies by the sword. So Christians have to really be a lot more
1: savvy with this stuff. Yeah. That's a really good thought. I mean, even the, yeah, it it brings me back to like the trucker convoy up here in, in Canada. Like you say it's similar to Trump too, right? You can get on the bandwagon because you want um, people to, um, yeah, you want somebody strong, even if he's not really going to do what's good, just to bring about a world that you think is better. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of where the conservative movement is is at, right? Like, uh, b- more broadly, I mean, I don't know how much there is wrong with the, the way the trucker convoy was done up here. Um, I think for the most part, it was overblown. But I mean... Um, But yeah, that's that's kind of in the same the same vein. It's like taking it upon yourself. It's not really an evil thing to do. It was, I mean, it was a peaceful protest. Um, I'm sure that's a very nice buzzword for uh, the states. But um, yeah, like it's just like can can we use the or can we cheer cheer on the world's conservatives who? You know, but yeah, are, they're not really doing good.
2: They're just doing evil for good ends, I guess. Um, well, think, of, think of you know, during the American civil rights movement, you had Martin Luther King, you had Malcolm X, you had the Black Panthers. Part of the reason Malcolm, part of the re- reason Dr. Martin Luther King won was because people said, well, with Malcolm X, we know what we're getting. With the Black Panthers, we know what we're getting. We'd rather have King. And of course, King dies in the movement, which actually helps the movement because, you know, if he had continued his critique of the of the Vietnam War, you know, who knows how that would have impacted legislation. People looking back at the 19, at the early 1960s from today, people don't realize that the 60s really didn't start until like 68. Right. (laughs) In uh, in other words, most of the 60s were uh, kind of a
3: a continuation of the 50s. Right.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah, that's really interesting. It's definitely, it makes you, it makes you think about how you would, uh, yeah, how you react to these social issues. I mean, even, even something like as, as crazy as would be like a civil war or something, uh, what you do as a, as a conservative um, or as a Christian. Um I guess it kind of ties back into the idea of voting for a party that doesn't necessarily align with Christian values but is the the better of two evils I guess. Um and you're kind of in that position you got like a two party system. That's every American
2: can yeah. that's every American presidential campaign.
1: Yeah. And here we have this I mean we have a terrible political system up here but it's you don't vote for the person you vote for the party basically and yeah. the party's not necessarily good even though the person you might have you know quote unquote represent you is uh is good but um yeah that's that's super interesting i the um the one other person that comes to mind in this in this situation is is uh or w- with this idea in our in our minds is like Andrew Tate one of those guys who's fighting this like yeah he's fighting something in the world that Christians can definitely appreciate um but clearly is a lunatic so what do you what do you make him what do you make of him and what Christians should think of him
2: i don't know a lot about andrew tate most of what i know is he's a pimp and that's what they say i don't have any respect for pimps because of how they treat women that's that's for me that's just kind of done you know if you treat (laughs) women like that i don't have any respect for you you're a pimp and uh i think pimps are cowards and i think pimps use women (laughs) you know and it's just
1: he's a pimp that's what he is (laughs) yeah that's what yeah i mean i i don't know a ton a ton ton about him um but he's obviously like captured people in in the conservative side of the thing uh the conservative movement in that like he's just fighting for men i guess in our society and not having all this uh you know not willing to engage with this debate on, you know, what a man's role is and all, whatever, like, um,
2: is there, I, I like actually this morning I was just on a live stream with some friends because that's kind of what we do. And, and one guy was talking about his father who was a, he was a steel worker, kind of a hard man, flawed man in many ways, but, um, had a good heart. And, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think. I don't. I don't think men whine and complain about their lot. <laughs> I think that's yeah. part of masculinity. You know, we know. We know life is hard. We know. We know things are difficult. We know sometimes things aren't fair. But you know what? You 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 deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true. And 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 in a sense, the men's rights movement can degenerate into even though. They've got a lot of great points that can degenerate into a bunch of whining, which is, I think, part of the reason why it'll never it'll never become what the women's movement is. Because no. we're men.
3: Yeah, I know. Regardless of what people want to think. That's. Yeah, that's true. It. Yeah.
2: I mean, a group of guys, you know, you know, there's this part of the Barbie movie when, oh, it's so hard to be a woman. And it's like, yeah, 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 you're right. It is hard to be a woman. You know what? It's hard to be a man too. different ways, but life is hard. So if life is hard, then it's hard to be a man and it's hard to be a woman. But, you know, men don't tend to get around and say, you know, we had it right. You know, we, it's so hard to be a man. Well, what's your alternative, buddy? You know?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just oh, be yeah, a no, man, it's, okay? It's true. <laughs> yeah, that's a very that's a very Peterson-esque answer. So that's good. <laughs> um yeah. Man, there's so there's so much here. I I wanted to ask you about this. Is a bit this is going back to Peterson a little bit, but this has kind of been on my mind for the last little bit. Um with intellectuals, I mean, I you see it in a lot of times you see it in atheist people in, in the conservative movement, but you've You've talked about this on your your show too like um or various commentaries you've done on videos um the sleight of hand that they do with evolution and what to think about this as a Christian because a lot of times what i've I noticed Peterson doing it quite often um where he i mean his lobster thing is probably the most common example um he, he, basically they'll see a report and explain it using evolutionary theory and then um, basically take that theory that they've come up with as to why this is the way it is and then use that to explain the world. Like, so yeah, Peterson does it with the lobsters. Like hierarchies are um, the way they are. We can see that. Then he says, well, I'll look at the evolutionary evidence from lobster or whatever. This is obviously where it came from. And then, you know, if you if you kind of walk down that road with him, he can say, well, now look at like this isn't this isn't bad. This is because of who we are because of evolution. And to me, a lot of times you don't need evolution, but the people bring evolution into it. And for some reason, it seems that it gives it more academic oomph in our world. People are like, oh, evolution, good. He used that, and then they give him the check mark for evolution use, and then say what he said must be useful now. Um, what do we do with this as Christians? Like, do yeah, like you see it all over the place people people using that um, that kind of sleight of hand to to explain things. Um, is that everyone,
2: something that everyone worry has at? a system of justification? You say Christians. Yeah. You know, conservative Christians, Protestants do it with the Bible. I mean, if you can if you have an idea that you can somehow tie to the Bible, you tie it to the Bible because that's how you validate and justify your idea. Right. And because of the shape of the modernist fundamentalist war that has the been the predominant Christian civil war for that was the predominant Christian civil war probably until the early 20 teens, when sort of the wokeism, you know, came up, that became sort of the predominant Christian civil war in the West. Um, You, you just, if, if you're looking to popularize an idea or convince somebody of your idea, you tie it to the source of justification, which for modernist people is the theory of evolution. So and there's so much evolutionary site, you know, there's so much chatter in sort of the the male wisdom space on YouTube, evolutionary psychology. I was just talking to a friend of mine the other day, and he said evolutionary psychology is just the new natural law for um, non-Christian for non-Christian influencers. It's it's basically natural law, but it's it's super weird because. And the same friend also pointed out to me that it's also very Gnostic because, on one hand, you'll say something like, Well, it's in its evolutionary biology, tells men to sow seed as broadly as they can, to basically conquer the world like Genghis Khan. In other words, I should. Uh, impregnate through rape, subjugation, harems, polygamy, any way I can, I should propagate my seed far and wide. That's the evolutionary code that's working in me, and anything that I'm trying to do is in service of that evolutionary code. Okay, but if I actually start to live it out that out, they'll say, well, you're Andrew Tate. You're evil. I said, well, wait a minute, I'm just doing what's in line with my programming. What do you mean, evil? Isn't this the success story of humanity? Isn't this how we came? Why, Why suddenly the qualms? And that's part of the problem with the whole evolutionary psychology fixation we have now, which is, And you know, Brett Weinstein is sort of the guy where this kind of comes together because on one hand he says we're all these assassin robots programmed to act like Genghis Khan, but we should deny our programming. And then it's like, now wait a minute, I'm working on a Windows computer here. Uh, I'm just going to tell my Windows computer to deny its programming. If the moment my Windows computer denies its programming. The screens go black and it just crashes. I've had Windows. I've had computers crash. I mean, I've used yeah. Windows for a long time. Used to crash <laughs> all the time. So you know, it, it, it's it's finally incoherent. Yeah. And and I think the longer we go with this current fascination, the more and more inco. And that's actually part of what the woke wars is about, because wokeism basically uh, on one level says. Screw all theories, including the theory of evolution and just propagate this one vision of, you know, oppressed, oppressor morality and everything else is everything else is just illusion. So, right. Yeah, that's so
1: interesting. Will there be a different thing that people I mean, I don't know where this evolutionary thing goes. Um, I don't see the world moving off of it like. You you described it as like using it as like, yeah, natural law, like what we would we would say, like your inalienable rights. Right. Like. Um, do you see that ever going away or do you see that that's kind of going to be what we see the rest of our lifetime, at
2: least? Well, there's some people out there like James Tour and Stephen Meyer who are out there saying, you know, there's there, there there's some of this some of these dynamics that darwin pointed to might have worked really well with finches but it really can't account for actually the origins of life right. you know you might get finches and you know you might get variations within species but did he really po- did he really did he really actually demonstrate the differentiation of species. And so, you know, those more nerdy uh, conversations are going to continue in the background. But as with almost everything with respect to science now, it's not really science that people are doing. Science has just become a word that people use to pass their checks. Because that's the word that we use to pass checks. Just like again (laughs) in a church, you say, "Well, here's a Bible verse that backs me." The thing is, if you're around enough church fights, you know that everybody's coming to the battle with a Bible verse. And um, so it's unless you're Anthony Fauci, then you are
1: science. Unless you're Anthony (laughs) Fauci, then you then you know what's what. Yeah, uh it's.
2: It's uh, Colvin destroyed Anthony Fauci's career. At least he was an old man already. So
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so true. Um yeah, it's just curious that like a guy like Peterson would go back to that because he'll he'll um he talks about like the biblical stories or something, or or even psychology of or some relationships or something like that, to a deep level. And then he roots it in what I think he believes. I mean, I do think he believes in evolution, um, even the origin story and whatever uh, billions of years ago. Um, but I think he also believes that as an academic, because that's been like what you said, that's like the accepted, um, yeah, it's our accepted, uh, academia has accepted that as like our natural law. And so yeah. if he can root that, it it gives him some kind of, cloud i guess in the conversation and so that's why it's always worried me but yeah it does make sense that like we're just never gonna yeah we're never gonna necessarily get away from that and yeah i mean your comments are very helpful like it just it, it obviously it just doesn't make sense to uh yeah to give it any kind of yeah like the, whatever. it doesn't explain origins obviously um
2: and well, and, uh, and part of it is the the kind of explanation we're demanding. Now, if you read Genesis 1, let the earth bring forth. That's, that's what Genesis 1 says. All right, what does that mean? God commands, let the
3: earth bring forth.
2: It yeah. <laughs> doesn't yeah. tell you anything about it. And so, yeah. obviously, people are going to want to know what you know, sort of the efficient cause of all of the the kind of life that we see around us is so. That, People are going to stop
1: till they know exactly.
2: But well, that mean, ain't going to happen. Is it? Is it that God said something and poof, there was something? So, it, I mean, the Bible the Bible gives you a story, and the Bible gives you a theological story, and says um, God made the world and what's underneath what's underneath sort of the the biological story that's that's got supremacy right now is a theological wish which is uh there is no purpose for people right you are and, and if there is no purpose for people, you are free to become what you want to become, anything you want to become. And part of what we're seeing now is that sort of being played out in the world. And, you know, I can decide at 60 years old, six foot four, 240 pounds that I want to be a ballerina. And I can wish that all I want. You know what? <laughs> it ain't going to happen. And I could, you know, maybe if I was a billionaire, I could buy a theater and I could wear a tutu and I could prance on stage and I could even pay people to come and applaud me. Still (laughs) wouldn't make me a ballerina. Right. So there are constraints on this world, there's constraints on life. And part of what Peterson introduced or reintroduced to an audience that had very much believed we're just the products of, of, of physics and randomness, no, there is purpose in the universe, and that's that's the essential disagreement with yeah. nihilism that you are made for something, and it's and so therefore, don't waste your life,
1: yeah, which it's, it's it's just interesting to me if i if I take his argument down to the core, especially in in his uh, his Genesis lectures, where he starts where he introduces the the idea of God into right. that um you know what he would say from a psychological perspective um to me it it butts up against evolution because he he can't draw a line between like okay we were evolving out of this process of natural selection like what you described like just raw materialism um naturalism and then all of a sudden now we have what he would say now we have story we have um obviously there's a transcendent and now so when does that get introduced it just doesn't i don't know that peterson's really unpacked it enough um i don't think he's but i i just don't think that the there uh, there's a desire to and that's what kind of bothers me about a lot of the conservative movement is they're they're okay as long as they can they can connect what they're trying to say which is like yeah there's more to life than you know we're all just floating around you can't be whatever you want to be because there's obviously meaning to life and a lot of this meaning crisis stuff kind of it just doesn't jive with evolutionary naturalism that you basically see and then but but if they if they don't tie it to that then they're intellectually for some reason they're intellectually not worth listening to in this in this
2: world so it's very it's very strange it's just there's there's uh, the B level celebrity atheists. I mean, they've a lot of them have really not liked Jordan Peterson, and they've not liked him because they've seen that he's basically been uh raiding their he's been raiding their storehouse of followers. And and they, there's a guy named Rationality Rule, Stephen Woodford from the UK. And he got it from another guy named Destiny, uh, with purple hair. And um he and they basically recognize that what Peterson does is Peterson gives people like all of the steps to get there, and people just follow Peterson up the steps and the last step, which is basically okay well the then therefore, purpose is built into the universe, and therefore I have a purpose, and therefore you know. Peterson takes him all the way to the edge and then Peterson stops and people just keep walking, taking the next step. And that's exactly what's been happening. Right. And yeah. So Peterson's given him the stairway and they just finish the walk. And, and so then now where is Peterson with respect to that? Who's who's to say, I mean, part of what holds Jordan and he says it all the time. He says, I am a scientist. And I think he's right. I mean, he's had an enormous number of, um, of published uh, journal entries. And I think part of the point is science can bring you to that line, but science will not step over that line because that's science. Science is, I, I call it, scientism is basically a science lab leak. And basically, science says, you know, go up, go up on that Italian tower with Galileo, Galileo, with those spheres of different sizes, and drop them together. There's science. And and so the earlier natural philosophers would say things like, God is astoundingly reliable because. God doesn't sort of interfere with those balls. And all of us would say today, no, God doesn't interfere with those balls. He doesn't interfere with with shells falling in war. He doesn't interfere with bullets, with knives, with flames, with all kinds of things that do us damage. God doesn't interfere with those things. And science just measures those things. But science will only get you so far. And so part of the reason Jordan stays here is he he keeps saying— I'm I'm speaking about this technically or as, you know, psychologically speaking, he just keeps pointing out that line and saying, here's this line. And I'm yeah. going to go all the way to this line. And I'm going to stay at this line when I'm speaking. And then when someone really presses him, but what do you believe? He'll say, that's private. And what do you mean that's private? That's private. I, I know a story of there was a celebrity and his wife who were dining in a restaurant and Jordan came in with some other people, and these celebrities were Christians. And the cele- so the celebrity on the way out, these celebrities from the '80s, you'd recognize that, or I'd recognize them because I'm old, and Jordan <laughs> recognized them because he's the same age as me. And so they're chatting and chatting, and then these celebrities were Christians. And so I think the woman leaned into him and basically said, "Now come on, Jordan, what do you What do you really believe?" He basically said, "That's private." So, bang, right there. That's what he does. And he's done that consistently Yeah, right from the beginning. He hasn't wavered from that. So, and and actually, it's a super smart marketing campaign because there are all kinds of YouTube channels that have made a buttload of money, you know, (laughs) right on that line with Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson finally shows he's a Christian. The internet goes crazy.
1: Yeah, which is, yeah it's uh yeah and i mean i don't know how important it is it's just a it's just uh it's just something to think about as a christian that you're like you, fo- you follow this guy but yeah at some point he stops and we you know keep going um and we have yeah we have uh we have a belief yeah it's just yeah yeah my one my one uh annoyance always is how he how he describes belief but I mean, we kind of talked about that. It's just like, uh, He talks
2: about it psychologically and belief psychologically is a very complex thing. Yeah. In church, we treat it like a simple thing, but psychologically it's super complex. And I think actually in church, we've long time known it's complex because, you know, the Christian minister that sleeps with the organist, his defense, his defense at his trial, getting kicked out of church is never, I believe in all the right things. That doesn't matter still slept with the organist you're out
1: (laughs) yeah right yeah that's how it works so but there there is something in in the scripture that like we're supposed to have a childlike faith and and peterson would like i don't know what he would say to that um i think i mean i'm sure he'd have a way of explaining it away
2: well when he starts doing his gospel series we'll find out what he says about it yeah that would be really interesting that's uh i haven't actually listened to
1: his exodus series yet but uh all the way through but i'm sure you have have you covered that on your show i I
2: covered it for
1: a
3: while
2: see it's behind the daily wire paywall and so i i got permission to do like 10 minutes of clips an episode but they're two hour episodes and i found i found because because my goal is not primarily to create content for youtube i found that process to be a lot less fun than treating things that i can sort of freely treat on the internet. right yeah so yeah i yeah. stopped. yeah, that makes sense. yeah. it wasn't a yeah. much. i mean again, i i for the most part i i tell people i'm a very selfish youtuber. <laughs> i make videos i want to make and then people it sometimes it makes you authentic
1: though, which is what makes it worth listening to. So yeah. I, and uh, then
2: some people will leave a comment, oh, I don't want to hear anything more about Jordan Peterson. Then unsubscribe. You know, <laughs> I don't care. Go away. Uh, There's plenty yeah. of plenty of internet where you hear nothing of Jordan Peterson. Yeah, but no. you know, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to stop making videos about what I'm interested in cuz you don't want to watch it. I'm not here to make videos you want to watch. I'm here to make videos I want to make. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there it is. Well, Sorry. Well,
1: that's great. Uh so yeah, what do you what do you make of the uh just out of curiosity of the uh the DW Crowd, Daily Wire because the uh that's probably one of the more popular subscriptions I would say as cause in terms of conservative media that like Canadians would Uh, go to especially some i mean they're obviously starting to do the kids content thing they're creating a lot of like yeah what i i mean i don't know anyone else is creating more decent stuff um there probably are some um but not in terms of like a media like conglomerate type um would you recommend that people go there
2: i i'll I'll only recommend what i watch myself and the only stuff i watch on daily wire or jordan peterson and jonathan Peugeot. Okay. I'm not not interested in the rest of it. To me, the rest of it is so it's so predictable. OK, yeah. you're going to you're going to beat on you're going to beat on Biden. All right. This is that. <laughs> that that holds no interest to me. You know, we're into uh, like the politics side. Eh? Like you're not interested in politics. Well, I, I am interested in politics, but when it's predict I'm interested in politics, that's less predictable. Yeah. right. And, you know, OK, the the you're. You don't like this party or this president. All right. Well, that's, that's what I need to know. I don't need to spend 20 hours hearing why you don't like him. You just don't like him. All right. That's fine. I'll move on. Uh, I, you know, I, I thought there were portions of what is a woman that were clever. Um, I, then I, I started cause I have this subscription cause I want to know what's in the last half hour of Peterson's things. And I wanted right. to watch Jonathan's Peugeot's thing. But then there was this other, you know, and 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 they're putting more and more stuff up top. So I have to keep scrolling through it to get the stuff I want to see. And I clicked on one other thing about basketball or something, and I watched a little of it. And the acting was meh. And and the writing was meh. I watched oh, yeah. 15 minutes of it and thought, I'm not going to watch anymore. <laughs> I'm just going to keep I'm going to watch know, what I want. So until you know what it is
1: pretty quick. What? Well, you know what, like, you know what they're creating, right? Like the. Exactly. Exactly. Political. And then, yeah, I find a lot of their shows, like, I mean, all the characters they have are all commenting on the same thing in their own way. And
2: um, so I, I get a lot of recommendations from the people that watch my videos because it's sort of the same logic behind the YouTube algorithm. If if someone if someone that tends to like the same kinds of things I like recommends something, there's chances are I might like it.
0: So that's
2: a lot of what I watch now comes from my audience because they said, oh, you should watch this. And then I go there. It's like, oh, that is good. And so and so the, the my YouTube audience is sort of becoming my algorithm for what I watch. Yeah, well, that's well, that's helpful. Not everyone has that. No, that's a really cool thing. It's a real, real perk and bonus for having a
1: YouTube channel. Yeah. Well, I find honestly, like I find like your YouTube channel to be a fairly decent way to consume content because it's, uh, it's kind of already curated. Like it's, this is the stuff that's important and I don't have to listen to necessarily, like if I don't catch every Peterson interview, I just hit your commentary on it and I get the, you know, this was good. This was terrible, whatever. At least I know, um, Which is yeah, which is fairly helpful. So, how would you? And that's recommend why that?
2: I like the other channels that have sort of popped out because I use those other channels in exactly the same way. Right, if Chad yeah. or Grizz uh, or or Paul or Sam or one of these other people covered it, well, then I know to pay attention to it because we're all in the same conversation, and yeah, that's right. where not just say outsourcing our cognition to an algorithm, but actually having connections with real human beings that are in sort of the same thing is super helpful yeah right
1: yeah so what do you uh yeah i'm trying to i'm, I'm curious i mean we've asked this question a bunch on our podcast like just the, the the media space is obviously all yeah it's tough and like putting more effort into consuming what you consume is probably the right answer but what would you recommend that people do um like how important is it for christians to pay attention to what you're paying attention to like these comp these high-level conversations on the conservative side of things um i mean i I like like, i guess politics is a little bit more your interest-based stuff but like you're touching on a lot of like uh ideological um argumentation in the in the you know whatever the
2: dark web side of the, the world um politics is the natural gas to my petroleum you know, it used to be that they used to just burn off the natural gas. And then some, suddenly somebody said, you know, if we sort of pipe this up and run it to households, you could probably heat households and run electrical generators with this stuff. And so that's where natural gas got it going. So I, again, I'm a religious believer and a political skeptic. So um, I'm not terribly wedded to um, political outcomes because I've been living long enough. I mean, what what people believe is conservative continues to change. So, I don't know. I I people who aren't all aren't all on the internet now, I wouldn't tell them to get on. Um, I don't my people at church who don't watch my stuff on YouTube, I don't tell them to watch my stuff on YouTube. I tell them to read the Bible and pay attention to their kids and, you know, live a Christian life. That's what they should do. Now, if you're already on the internet, well, now you have to figure out you're going to handle that monster and um then you're going to have to make some decisions about what you're filling your brain with
1: yeah right yeah i think yeah once you get the young young ages i think that's pretty inevitable so
2: yeah well uh, and and if you're well some i mean uh, one of the things i noticed right away when i started the channel were a lot of coders were watching my stuff hmm. because coders had you can only listen to so much music so then you look for other sort of if your job is sort of repetitive. And then there's also, you know, tilers, painters, plumbers, you know, people who work the trades, you know, back in back in the in the 80s when I was delivering lumber, you know, they'd have AM radio on. They'd listen to Howard Stern or um Don Imus or, you know, these these kind of things. Oh, yeah, Rush and, Limbaugh. Or Rush Limbaugh. And oh, yeah. now via YouTube you're not sort of beholden to radio and TV stations. You can kind of go out there and narrow cast to whatever your interests are. And that's sort of where a channel like mine finds its audience. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Great. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I, I could talk to you all day about these, uh, these characters and stuff, but, um, yeah, I was going to ask you about, uh, the GOP primary cause that's, we're pretty detached from it and, I know you're not political, but you must pay attention to, you know, who to, you know, the ideas that are floating around, at least. Um, My
2: dream for the 2024 election is that we have a different choice than we had in 2020. I don't want to sit there with Biden and Trump again. I, I am. I am. I am so tired of that. I'd almost, you know a different Republican and a different Democrat, hopefully 20 to 30 years younger than both of these guys. But I'm, I don't know that, you know, I mean, we're we're in a race between a guy who's probably going to go to jail and a guy who's probably just not going to be able to live through his term. You know, that's our race that we're in. It's, it's extremely depressing. That so, is pretty depressing. Yeah.
1: It's not, it's not good for a country your size. No, it's not good <laughs> for your country either. No, it really is. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's not much good going for our country with what we got going on. So, uh, yeah, it's a yeah, it's a bit of a nightmare. Yeah. But uh, yeah. All right. Well i I should uh, I shouldn't take up your whole day, but I got one one other question I wanted to ask you about Elon Musk. Okay. What you make what you What do you make of that guy? Um, what he's done with with X Twitter. Where he's been, I mean, I know, like, even since I wrote up this outline uh, that I've, you know, I mean, the guy, the guy comes up in like, 10 news stories a day. So um, he's always saying something. Um, What do you make out of him as a character? Like, do you? uh, Do you see him as as doing, you know, good in the world? Or, um, I mean, some people look to him to, you know, help save the world, but he's also trying to put us on Mars. So.
2: I don't think we're getting to Mars anytime soon. Well, uh, I agree. I think I think it's I think what he's done with Tesla is interesting. I haven't seen that.
3: So part of what we're constantly fed
2: is that my life will be either tremendously improved or absolutely destroyed based on who the next president is going to be. Now, there's a possibility of that if there's a complete economic collapse or a war or something like that. But for the most part, it's just not true. And Elon Musk is an interesting guy who is obviously very smart. I mean, what he's done with with building Tesla is impressive. What he's done with SpaceX, the little I know of it, seems impressive. What he's done with um, you know, a, a satellite internet service. So that's interesting. So, you know, good for him. He bought Twitter. I don't find Twitter to be a the way I use it. I don't find it to be an extraordinarily different place than it was before. I'm glad that Jordan Peterson's back onto it. But, you know, and, and Jordan Peterson has, you know, he's he's sort of tempered himself on Twitter again, which is probably, you know, he. He himself described what he used to do, you know, you, the guy works like a horse. So he spends all day, he's traveling, he's doing interviews, and then he does a, you know, he's on stage for two hours and then he's doing the, the VIP meet and greets after those for another couple of hours. And then it's just like the rock star. It's about, you know, it's 12 or one. And in order to fall asleep, you got to kind of, when you're on stage, it's all adrenaline. Your body needs time to sort of settle down. And, you know, that's where a lot of young rock stars get into trouble with drugs and alcohol because they start taking, you know, Elvis, they start taking drugs and alcohol to put them up and then to bring them down. Well, a lot of people just kind of sit down and start to relax. And those hours, then you, okay, then you're watching, then you're reading Twitter. And then you're seeing this or that, ooh, reteep this, ooh, respond to this, and, you're just gonna get yourself in trouble a lot of times, so I think he's tempered himself in that, but i yep. I people you know people like I'm not gonna buy a Tesla because of Elon Musk, what you're gonna buy a Ford? Read a biography of Henry Ford someday um you know <laughs> come yeah. on, people buy a Tesla because you want to buy a Tesla or you think it'll work out well for you people are people spend too much time looking at these individuals, Elon Musk is Elon Musk. Yeah. He's just another guy. He's just
1: another guy. Yeah. It's uh yeah. Definitely not somebody. uh There's definitely nobody to just, you know, look at and be like, Oh, this is the guy. I mean, if there was Peterson might've been him, you know, Tucker Carlson might've been him. Uh People thought Rush Limbaugh was him. So there's a lot of, uh yeah. At some point you have to throw your hands in the air and say, well, we, uh, just need to read our Bibles and uh, stop stop thinking that these guys will be their uh, the new savior of
2: our world. Now, uh, Christians have a savior already, and his name is Jesus. And um, why don't you stick with Jesus? That's, I'm a uh,
3: minister. What am I supposed to say? Of course, that's what <laughs> I believe.
2: That's why, you know, what's your goal? I don't know. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. How about those for goals? Yep. Well, that's not original to new. No, it isn't. <laughs> what do you want from me i'm not your yeah. savior love yeah. jesus he's your savior Yep.
1: Yeah. oh man that's uh that's probably a good place to leave it i don't know if you have any other uh advice for people but i mean i'm sure if they want some they can go to your channel and uh
2: and hear Yeah, it i day. try not to give advice people don't <laughs> listen anyway so people are gonna do what they want you learn that as a pastor pastor tell me what i should do why you're not gonna do it anyway no, <laughs> oh, really, I will. What did I tell you last time? Did you do it? No. So what? <laughs> yeah, when you do that, come back and maybe I'll think about giving you more advice. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, that's it. Hey, this has been. uh It's
1: been pretty enlightening. I. I just. It's good to hear your per- perspective on these things. um oh. So really, really appreciate it.
2: It's always fun to talk.
1: Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I would encourage everyone to go uh, look you up Paul Vander Clay with a K. Uh, K, yeah, it'll be all over uh plastered all over our uh social media and stuff like that and uh yeah appreciate your time and all right, uh, no problem all the best
2: with your work all right thanks a lot thanks paul
0: thanks for tuning in to this episode of real talk we really appreciate you taking the time to listen or watch the show if you want to send us your feedback and we'd love to hear it, please email us at reformedrealtalk at gmail.com. If you want to find us online or social media, we've got a lot of great content there. Just search Reformed Real Talk and we should come right up. This show is created and produced by myself, Lucas Holtfleur, and Tyler Vanderwood. And our wonderful podcast manager who does all the editing is Mariah Tamaga. So we're really thankful for her contribution to the show as well. That's all for now, folks. Thanks for watching or listening, and we'll catch you next time.